You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Welcome, welcome, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with Bill Goldberg. Uh, man, uh, thanks uh, thanks for calling in, Bill. It sounds like you've got a good connection. It's nice and quiet. This is going to be a perfect show. Not one complaint ever. It's going to be perfect. Um, we'll kick things off and just say uh, thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Continental Belts. Uh, we love those guys. Check out OETechnologyseries.com to get that full story. We'll tell you about more about them later. And, of course, our friends at GEICO. Ah, save some money on insurance. Go to geico.com. So definitely check those guys out. So we had a lot of things going on. Uh, Bill, you were at, uh, you were at Bristol at the NASCAR race. I want to hear about that. And, uh, and a couple kind of like a little bit of news surrounding NASCAR. I want to get your opinion on. And, uh, and you guys have been following uh, my social media. You seem to have uh, been driving the Nissan GTR. I want to tell you guys a little bit about that and, um, and do a wacky comparison with the Jeep Trackhawk because I don't think anybody ever puts those two against each other. And I think it would be fun to, to discuss that since we drove them back to back. Um, but uh, first things first, just a little bit of a little off topic uh, discussion here. Um, this past weekend was the WWE Hall of Fame event and WrestleMania and uh, and all the news surrounding is the Hall of Fame. I, I guess uh, you were inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. I, I imagine this is really exciting for anybody that's been in professional wrestling for so long. Um, I think it's a great honor to be a Hall of Fame uh, member and to go up there and see you guys just sort of pour your hearts out and tell the speeches and, and give a little insight to kind of behind the scenes. And um, Brett the Hitman Hart, a wrestler that I grew up watching as well, was up there making a speech. And a fan like ran down... Uh, th- you know, th- through the audience, uh, uh, past security into the ring and tackled him on a kind of a cowardly bullshit move. I mean, Brett's fine. Uh, you know, he's, you know, I don't know, he's 60, 61 now, but he's a big boy and he seems fine. Um, but, uh, what, what kind of madness is that? You saw this, Bill? Yeah, I, you know, I saw the replays of it. Uh, WWE changed their format. Um, obviously their setup of the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, I obviously wasn't there. I was in Bristol. Um, but you know, a number of things come to mind. What, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> there are ignorant fans across the board when it comes to, to, uh, professional, uh, sporting events. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the, the wrestling has uh, a larger portion of them, unfortunately, and, you know, I, I think it calls to that and it also calls to the lack of security that WWE had that, that, that this moron got in the ring and got to Brett before anybody touched him. Um, it's, I, I'm just flabbergasted. It's it's amazing because on, on these things, you don't know what's sort of meant to be staged and not staged, but... Uh, but just the the reaction in the ring was was immediate, and this I don't know this this kid I I don't know what the kid's name is, and uh, but uh, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't need any credit for anything. But he went in there, tackles Brett, and then just gets pounced. Man, I don't know. A couple of guys just just I, at one point I just saw a security guard just like punch him in the face and walk away while they were kind of holding him down. It's like it was a real it was a it was a dick move. And then so he's being he's being charged. He's got a restraining order, uh, 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 
Bret Hart has a restraining order, was basically granted a restraining order against him, you know, just as a, as not a precaution or formality, right? So the guy can't come near him. He can get arrested for just coming near him. And uh, held him on like $1,500 bail. And the dude's lawyer was like, this guy can't afford $1,500. This bail is ridiculous. And it's like, and, and then I guess the attorney or the judge is like, this isn't his first time. He attacked a w- or an MMA fighter as well. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I think we're all so fine his, with the- his, his ignorance is documented across the board. Yes, you know, he's already I, been I mean, arrested you, once you, for this. You have to kind of take those things into consideration before you go up to that cliff and jump off of it. You know, I have no remorse for this guy. I don't he's either. He, he's lucky to be alive is what he is. I, why, would you, why would you do that? Why would you go and attack guys that fight for a living, MMA or WWE? These guys are... Everyone's 250 pounds or more. Everyone's a professional athlete. And everyone is trained to throw people around on some level. Like, this is a stupid move. It's just a stupid well, move. Shows, By the way, this kid yeah, weighed like it, a buck it shows, uh It shows the ignorance of a generation of kids with the look-at-me mentality. Yeah. You know, I don't know any reason why, he, why else he would do that. You know, I, a bet. You know, I don't know. He wanted to be that guy. He want, This dude's everywhere now, right? Right, he, the, you know, streakers they they seek the same thing. It, it's it's attention. It's a mental and stability, you, and it's Instagram famous, and it's whatever. But it's like, really, is it is it worth it? Like, first of all, you know you're going to get caught, and you know you're going to get punched, right? Like, nobody intentionally wants to get punched, right? That's a weird, sick thing. Anyway, well, that shows I, you how stupid the guy is from the I, from the onset. <laughs> I I I agree. On some level, it's like WWE needs to up their security, but also on some level, they were like, this is a fun family event, believe it or not, and we don't ever imagine something stupid like this happening. And now it's kind of ruined for people that it has happened. So now they have to, now you're going to go to a WWE event. There's going to be all kinds of crazy security and, and it's going to be like, I can't see somebody's in the way. Like, and they're like, we're here for your protection. And then it's going to be a whole thing. And it's just like, I, I get it. I'm, I never complain about security because I, you know, they've got a job to do. But I don't know. This it's it's just t- to sit down and 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 get sort of the mindset of of a crazy young person like this to go in there and do something. It's just weird. It's just weird. I don't get it. It's just weird. And it's sel- and it's selfish. And like you said, you know, it, it changes the landscape of the event for future spectators because it's a family friend. Family friendly event. You're supposed to be able to go there with your with your little kids and have a great time and have the the wrestlers be accessible. And now, you know, with an incident like this, it's it's not going to be the case anymore. Right. You know, and 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 it's that trickle down event uh, uh, effect that we want to avoid. We're seeing this. Like you and I have gone to a number of NHRA races, and one of the nice things about drag racing is is every ticket is a pit pass ticket. Every ticket is a pit pass. Like you can walk around. Sure, there's like a little rope set up, but you can go over there and always just like go up to Ron Caps and shake his hand and watch them fire up the car and whatever. And all it takes is one person like this kid at this WWE event to ruin that for everybody. Right. One person yeah. that goes up there and screws with the car or makes it dangerous for somebody or, or you know, does something stupid where somebody's going to get hurt or potentially get hurt. You're going to ruin it for everybody. And, yeah, and you talk about accessibility, and that's one of the things that makes these certain sporting events what they are. 
I loved NASCAR in the beginning uh, of, of my uh, being a fan because mm-hmm. the drivers were so accessible. Man, <laughs> you get a ticket, you're in the infield. You know, Earnhardt walk, walks right by you. I mean, that's an opportunity that, yeah. that people would die for in other sports. Yeah. And then one jerk comes along, jack off, does something like this, and ruins it for everybody. And, and like I say, at the end of the day, it's about the kids. And if it screws up the cool um, aspect of the event for the kids, then, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's insane. Like, I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I went to a Lakers game this weekend. I went with a friend, and uh, we had really good seats, you know, I don't know, 10 rows or something back. And you I'm mean you, at, went, you went to a sport, sports I, ball? I went to a sports ball. What is that, what is that <laughs> word? What does that mean? I, I needed. I don't want to interrupt you again, but what does that mean? (laughs) It means I could go to any sporting event with a ball and just call it all the same thing. It's the sports ball event. Also, I figured uh, people would comment on that, and I loved that. I I, I would say that. (laughs) Um, But I was there, and I was watching, and I was like, there's there's no reason why somebody couldn't run down and tackle LeBron, like the way that's set up. And then what would would basketball be if, if it had to have a fence around it? Like if there was like a five foot fence around the whole around the whole thing, or or a bunch of security guards in suits standing around, you know, with their arms up, like b- goodbye floor seats. There wouldn't be any floor seats. Like where, where's Jack Nicholson going to sit? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it's asinine. It really is, and I, I don't yeah. know how we're going to change it. But you know, a nice segue to the uh, to the dilemma we got in NASCAR, though. Yeah, so let's let's talk about NASCAR. Bristol sound looked like fun. It looked like you were maybe picking up and throwing a few drivers around. I couldn't tell, but I all I saw- gotta say is one thing, man. I'm pissed off at Logano because we did a deal on Fox on uh, 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 NASCAR on Fox, yeah. on Fox Sports, and and I said, hey, man, everybody, check it out. Tune in for the driver intros because of. Uh, Logano's got a surprise for me. I saw that. I had it. I had it set up to where Logano was gonna come out with a steel chair and act like he's going to hit me with it, which would provide a great, a great little moment you yeah. know, for television. And I'll be damned if I didn't introduce him, waited for the chair. And I looked at him. He's like, hmm? they wouldn't let me do it. So Just do I'm it. assuming it was some PR person, you know, that uh, didn't, didn't want him to do it, but don't yeah, ask. Just do are, it. Those guys. Are, yeah. You, you can't ask the PR people. Right. You know, hey, 20 years ago, any driver I would have walked up to would have gone, hell yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, right? it's it's ju- it's funny. It's a joke. He's not going to hit you with it. He's going to, you know, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be funny. Right? And then it's going to get yeah. some attention. And it's going to make people laugh. And it's going to break up the whole, you know, the typical race after race after race, normal driver interviews. I don't know. I think it would have been funny to do. Well, or, look at the coverage that Chase and I got. I think even if Logano like went to spear you, but then you didn't move, you were just standing like a tree and he just kind of yeah. hugged you. <laughs> like, just do something fun, you know? Um, yeah. Was, who are you picking up? To, you know, we're, we're, you're going to segue into the reason we're talking about NASCAR, but all we're trying to do in that setting was to, was to provide more excitement on top of the race so that more people are entertained and they can come to the race. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, so you were there at Bristol. Uh, Bristol, you've done many times before. They always get invite you back. I know you love that event. 
uh, you were there doing all the driver introductions, right? Did Gage go with you this time? I, I was doing driver intros, and I got uh, Food City wanted me to, to uh, wave the green flag, and I put it nice. up on my Instagram that I was doing it. I didn't uh, uh, do an addendum why, as to why I didn't. But I got a phone call early Sunday morning and saying uh, Food City uh, asked if I would mind letting DW do the green flag wave because it was his last race. You know, he he's retiring. Yeah. So it was his last race to do the boogity, boogity, boogity and wave the flag. And, uh, you know, what a, a hell of an honor for them to ask me without just taking it from me. Sure, that was not very kind. Oh, hey, man, DW is DW. So it was, a, it was a great opportunity for me to hang with him for a minute. I wanted to, I put it to Fox. I wanted to break into the booth and tell DW that he can kiss my ass because I'm doing the green flag unless he beats me in an arm wrestling match. <laughs> then he beats me, makes, makes him look like the king, you know, yeah. and then uh, goes out and waves the flag. So, hey, it's stuff like that that they got to do. They have to do, they have to make it an event. It can't just be a race anymore. I, I think, you know, what's funny is, is you're exactly right. And, and they, they make the effort of, of having you down there, which is, you know, it's fun to do and it's nice to be invited and do stuff. And then you can be able to share ideas with them and they should take advantage of it, right? You know, if you're down there, they should take advantage of, of the things that uh, you want to do or can do for them. And, you know, it's not going to, Look, they can they can have a meeting about it and say, can we tone it down or can we do this? But like, yeah, let's do something fun. But um, uh, if yeah, it makes fun, sense, uh, if it makes sense, you know, creatively, they need to think outside of the box. We're talking about this because you want to make mention of NASCAR's decline in both uh, uh, attendance at the race and, and viewership. But there are so many things that have happened throughout the years that that are. Uh, contributing to the lack of of fans showing up but man i mean i i went to bristol i've talked to these guys for the last five years they're trying to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. to make it a quote unquote event instead of just a race because let's be honest the spring race gets rained out you know like 70 percent of the time so people people wait for the wait for the night race in august um so you have to figure out different ways of making it an event and not just a race because you have to, you have to work backwards. You have to assume it's going to rain and all these people that are coming, you have to entertain them. Um, whether it's, you know, $1 beers or whether it's concerts or whether it's mud wrestling, I don't know what it is, but you know, there, there's a huge base for NASCAR and there's so many reasons why it's decline has, has happened. You know, look at brand loyalty. Yeah. You know, look at, look at, look at the, the, the average driver's age, seemingly being like 17 years old, you know, and not a lot of people know these kids and these kids don't have time out in front of the camera and they don't have the, the, uh, personality, you know, there's not a a lot of Southern charm left in the, in the racing. So there's so many aspects of it that, that are not present anymore. You know, they're, they're seeing a huge decline in their viewership and attendance. And it's it's interesting because um, it's it's not just NASCAR. I mean, it's it's a little bit NHRA as well. I think I think it's Pro Stock or one of the uh, one of the groups. They they they're just not doing as many races. They're not going to do the full the the full agenda uh, because of 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 well, you're money. You're setting yourself and, up for failure if you do. Yeah, uh, but but NASCAR, as you were saying, I mean, first of all, by the way, you, you mentioned DW Daryl Waltrip. He's uh, he's seventy two years old. He's a, Fantastic history announcer, racer, 
uh, he's uh, he's he's retiring. That was his last uh, gig. Um, and uh, man, he and, won Bristol nine times. Yeah, I mean, that, that's. That's pretty. That's pretty respectable. <laughs> yeah, for thirteen and, times. And he won like it when everyone crazy. was watching. <laughs> yeah, he won it when everyone was there uh, checking out. So Bristol holds like one hundred and sixty-two thousand people, and uh, and I know NASCAR doesn't really release uh, attendance numbers, but people can sort of gauge based off of you know the aerial shots of what's going on, and they're saying thirty-five to forty thousand people attended. Well, and that and they closed off the the uh, the. I would say end zones if it was a football stadium. So they, right, because you know, they didn't have the ticket off. sales. What happens is, is they don't have the ticket sales, and if the audience scatters around, it's going to look too empty on TV, right? So this is the go-to move. Like anytime you do a talk show and and, and uh, kind of small world, because and I did a I did a game show in New York. Um, uh, called Break Room, and I was I did two episodes. I did one episode with Ryan Blaney, NASCAR driver, and one with Eric Jones, NASCAR driver. And Ryan Blaney, by the way, fourth place at Bristol. Congratulations to him. Uh, he's such a nice guy. And we filmed this talk show, this game show, in this little studio in a high-rise uh, in, in New York, and there's like 20 people in chairs, but the way the camera floats over those 20 people, it looks like there's a huge audience. Right. And this is what NASCAR needs to do, which they're attempting to do is they don't want to ruin it for everybody. You know, we want people that are there to have fun, but they close off the end zones, if you will, and they get people to kind of bunch up in the center. So when they're running the cameras and seeing the cars drive by, it looks like there's a bunch of people there. I, I get it. It's part of the optics. I'm not saying it's fake. I'm just saying it's Hell, part of the optics. Does it. Every, every, Everybody every does it. It's does what it. you need to do. Also, it's fun when there's like a bunch of people around. So when the crowd goes crazy, it's louder and you can feel it under your feet. Like, you know, if there was 40,000 people scattered around an entire oval that fits 162,000 people, like the person next to you would be a quarter mile away. <laughs> you know, so uh, it would be it would be interesting. Uh, it'd be tough to do. So I don't know. Like, I like to see it pick up. Um, we, you know. I, I just went to the NASCAR race a few weeks ago out here in Fontana, and I had a great time. It was like it was it was a concert. There was some forty one, and the weather was great. And, and Motley Crue was there, and we were all in the suite together and talked to some of the drivers. and And you get so excited about like the young driver. He's like, I'm twenty two, and I've you know I've only done a few races. And, and I was like, I know this is so exciting for you. You've been dreaming about it your whole life. I hate to see the sport start to take a hit. When so many people uh, are still excited about it, and I don't well, know, the so- racing's gotten so much better. The drivers, you know, are 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 have stepped up their game. I mean, the the talent that these young kids possess is unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know. But but I think the you know personally, I believe the biggest factor is the love affair or lack thereof of the fan and the automobile. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you look at this young generation and their relationship with the automobile is completely different than my relationship. You know, a 50 year old, a 60 year old, a 70 year old, look at the meat, the median age of the viewer from NASCAR. It's like 50 years old. Yeah. Um, the relationship that we used to have with the automobile is gone. And I think that's a parallel between, you know, uh, the, the, the fans of NASCAR and and NASCAR right now. And they, they just don't, they don't care about the cars as much as they used to. The brand loyalty is not there. Sure. Guys like you and me, 
it's there. But but for these kids growing up, hell, they don't even know how to drive a stick shift. How can they relate to a race car driver? Yeah, it's you know, like look when I was when I was sixteen. I mean, what what technology offers us today is also part of to to blame of what's going on. But when I was 16 and getting a license, like a car to me represented freedom. It represented adventure. Like it was all about getting a car. Like my friends and I were all about like we were we were already restoring cars and building Mustangs before we were even allowed to legally drive them. And it was and just then like, when you got one, it was like the prize of a lifetime oh my god this was this was like even at high school like during your lunch like you go out and you just hang out with the cars and they're all lined up together with all your buddies and and uh and uh you know everybody's going for rides together and at the end of the you know you got your car and you kind of want to show it off and you know you're volunteering to give your other friends rides home and people you don't even know like hey you know i I'll give you a ride home. It's no problem. You know, just to kind of get behind the wheel for a few extra minutes and just enjoy it and have some fun. And we still feel like that. I still do. We're still kids. I still do. I still do too. Yeah. Look, you know, I didn't have cell phones back then, but now, you know, I get it. Somebody wants a thousand dollar cell phone. Shit. Even when cell phones were were four hundred dollars, I was like, no, I I want used cylinder heads or a nitrous kit. Like that's, <laughs> like that's what I was trading and bargaining. And you know, in in high school, it's just like you got heads and and like you're selling your car. Where are you going to take the heads off? And like, yeah, they're used. It's like, yeah. What do you want for them? It's like I'll, I'll take them. I like. Yeah, and what you know? Can I? But you haven't changed a bit. No, I'm still doing that. And and nor have I. I've gotten more into it. Yeah, as as the as the youth has gotten so far away from it, they have so many options. You know, you talk about the decline in NASCAR. Um, Look at all the options everyone has. They can see things. They can they can see things online. You know that doesn't equate to the Nielsen ratings. For God's sakes, how many people are watching it through the app? Yeah, you know, and that's a good question the, the, because the, the TV the ratings are, are down. But we, I'd, I'd be curious to know. Uh, doing it, look, I would tell you this: like anybody listening to this show, on some level, is a car fan. If you haven't gone to a live racing event, go once. At least go once. Get some. Well, I took my co-host from Knife or Death to Lamb. Mm-hmm. Okay, I took him this last weekend to NASCAR and to. You know, as a 23 years in the military, you know, Green Beret, he's done some of the most unbelievable things in the world. He's never been to a NASCAR race. Okay. Yeah. He had one of the coolest experiences he's ever had. Now, granted, we had pretty good access to everything. Yeah. Yeah. But he was flabbergasted in his experience. How cool the fans were, how cool the drivers were how cool the event itself was, how fast the cars are, the accessibility of all of the above. And truly, if you've never been, it's an experience of a lifetime. You know, another part that we hadn't talked about is the, is the ticket price. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know what ticket prices are now, but I know that each track's trying to run specials. And, but still, tickets are 75 bucks a piece. Yeah. You know, and, and, and some of these people, you know, middle class people can't afford that. And some of these people, years and years in the past, I would hear about and I would talk to them. They would save up all year for that weekend at Bristol or that weekend at Daytona, that weekend at Talladega, mm-hmm. you know, to take the four kids and 
camp out and do this and that. And it's that much money, but we can afford it. And that's our one trip. I don't even know if people can afford that anymore. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I think if we got enough people telling us that they, they can't afford it and they want to go, then, then believe me, I, I will definitely get on the, on, the, on the horn with NHRA and NASCAR, and I will convince these guys to send us some tickets that we can give out to people. We'll figure something out and do it. Because if you haven't gone before, you should go. Go to a NASCAR race if you, if you like that. Bring the family. Go to an NHRA race. The, the sights and sounds will blow your mind. When you feel one of those cars go down the drag strip, it's, it's like nothing you're ever going to experience in your life. And and you're right. The accessibility, you can talk to some of these drivers and shake some hands and see some people and get some pictures. Like, do something like that. Long Beach Grand Prix is this weekend. We're going to that. Uh, Adam and I are going down to that. And and you're right. Everybody is, is pretty much everybody is nice. It's funny because uh, Adam and I were having this conversation. I found this uh, this Nissan race car uh, on on Instagram, somebody sent to me, and I I said, Adam, this is the sister car to your car, and uh, here's the shop restoring it. And he's like, Can we get? Some, he's like, I want to get some more information about it. I was like, Yeah. And he goes, Should I should I just call? I was like, Sure. Nobody's going to care. I was like, You just call and ask them. And I said, Because it, you're going to ask the car guys car questions, and and it's the great mediator. Everybody wants to talk. And Adam called me. He's like, Oh, that guy was great. I talked to him for like an hour on the phone. I was like, Did he know who you are? He goes, I don't know. We didn't even get to it, in, into it. Like, who cares? He's like, See, He just wanted to talk about his car for you know because the shop wanted to talk about the car, what they were doing, and the guy's son is racing in Long Beach. We're going to go meet him and 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 uh, the, on the weekend. And he's like, No, it was fantastic. He was such a nice guy and and gave me all this information and. Uh, and he's like, well, how much is it? He's like, oh, yeah, he's selling it for this much money. I was like, oh, how'd you get the price? He's like, I just asked him and he told me. <laughs> I was like, great. Yeah. There's there's no bullshit around it. Like, it's so much fun to do it. I love that. Auto- it transcends boundaries. It does. And, and you know, we're going to talk about this. This is not going to be the first. Or excuse me. This isn't going to be the last time we're probably going to be talking about this subject. Um, I'm really curious. I'd like to get the, the listeners to, to give their opinion on what they think NASCAR can do or NHRA, these, these motorsports can do to get attendance up. I personally believe that right now, exactly what you just suggested is the biggest determiner whether we're going to get more fans. I think the fans are going to have to, to help NASCAR because obviously with this difference in stage racing and all this BS that they're coming up with, that, that shit ain't working. Um, I, I think to get new viewers and to get new people attending races we got to put it out there we got to tell as many people and have them tell as many people how cool of an experience it is i, I think going to, I think going to right. nhra was it was one of the coolest things you're ever going to do I, now sure you may lose a couple you know uh your, your hearing may be knocked down a little bit it's just it's unbelievable to watch a guy watch a team tear down a motor and and rebuild it in 45 minutes that i mean that that's pretty unbelievable so I, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm going to put this out there right now, and then I'm going to tell you guys a little about Continental. But I am going to reach out to NASCAR, see if they will send us a few tickets to a race. And if they don't, I'll buy them myself. Bristol will send us tickets. I'll get these. That's easy. And then we're going to give away tickets to fans that listen to the show. Okay? The condition is this. You go to the event— and then after, you call into this show and you tell us what you thought. 
That's what I want to happen. We're going to get you guys some tickets, right? I don't know how we're going to pick who's going to get the tickets or not. We'll come up with something, some, you know, Hopefully. hit us up on social media, whatever. We're going to, we're going to come up with some way for you to get the tickets. Let us go get some tickets. We'll find out how many. We'll see how many we can give away. And then we want you guys to call in and tell us about going there. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to make that happen. Um, all right, let me tell you guys about Continental Belt. You guys heard us talk about it before. If you think about all the weird things that you find in cars, French fries, melted crayons, live snakes, the stuff, the stuff that really kind of makes you wonder about folks. I don't know where the snakes come from, but possibly, possibly. Well, you'll find Continental Belts as, as well. I bet you didn't know that they're OE in millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series of belts. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belts. These are the belts with the OE pedigree. Check them out. Get the full story at oetechnologyseries.com. All right, racing stuff. We're going to do this. We're going to put the plan in action. We're going to find some tickets. We're going to send somebody out to a race, and uh, uh, we want you guys to, to call in and tell us what you think because I'd, I'd love to hear it. So we need to do a follow-up on this for sure. Um, we've got a bunch of other news. I don't know how much time we're going to have to get into it, but, uh, let's talk about the Nissan GTR. Let's talk about the Trackhawk. We, we, we got into the Trackhawk a little bit, uh, uh, last week as well. So uh, we swapped the Trackhawk for a Nissan GTR, just kind of worked out that way. And it was kind of funny because we're like, Hey, we got pretty much the fastest SUV around. What could possibly be a little bit quicker? And the GTR came up. I'm heading out to the New York Auto Show next week. I'm working with Nissan out there. I'm going to be uh, uh, I'm going to be leading the discussion with uh, uh, during their press event. And by the way, we'll 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 record that interview and we'll bring it back here for Carcast. We're going to be talking to our good friend, legendary uh, team owner uh, Pete Brock. Um, as you guys know, Pete Brock, uh, he's such a sweet guy. He's in his 80s. He's a great designer. He designed the 63 split window Corvette. He designed the Shelby Daytona Coupe, uh, uh, some really cool cars, um, and ran the BRE, the Brock Racing Enterprises team for Nissan out here in the West Coast while Bob Sharp and Newman were running the East Coast. And uh, uh, we've got a couple of BRE cars here. So I'm going to be talking with him and Hiroshi Tamura, who is the head of GTR and Z for Nissan. So I'm going to be talking to those guys. We'll bring that back here. And I figured, hey, why not get things livened up by uh, test driving a GTR before I head out to New York? They sent over this deep blue pearl GTR. This color is fantastic, by the way. I love this color. Uh, at night, it's got a darker kind of black look to it. And then the sunlight, it's got so much metallic, it really pops. Um, uh, but here we are. We've got a GTR. And uh, Bill, as you know, we were talking a little bit off the air. Um, is it a little long in the tooth? Uh, yeah, this car has been around, at least in the U.S., since about, I want to say, 2008. Now, what they've done over the years is 2008, they launched a 480-horsepower you know, supercar, sports car, whatever you want to call it. And it was incredibly fast. It handled well and it was fast. And it did it while being kind of big and heavy. And over the years, they did something that's actually very difficult is 
They took the GTR and they refined it to make it smoother to drive, quieter to drive, easier to drive, more of an easier daily driver without sacrificing the performance. We Now we have a car that I drove early model GTRs. I drove the Nismo version. And when this car came out, sure, it was fast. But that transaction would just, I don't know, it's just clank and make all kinds of noise. And maybe it's the dual clutches that are that are that are uh, that that are clanking in there that uh, it's just making a lot of noise and it rode really rough and uh, and the interior wasn't that great and needed to step up their game with covering the leather and all that and uh, and interior color options and now here we are you know some years later for sure we're you know 10 11 12 years almost into this thing and after driving it for almost a week I was like this is a really nice car you know, it's got leather all over the doors and the dash, and uh, it's comfortable, and it's still fast as hell. Um, I will say this is, is yeah, I, in in a in, in today's world where you know a new Mustang has a fully digital dash and and all kinds of cool uh, uh, functions that are right there up in front of you, this car doesn't have that. It's still very much an analog dash, and you can still get into sort of that that PlayStation mode when you can see all the different gauges, and that's kind of fun. Um, to see all of that, and uh, uh, but you know, it could use it could use an update for sure. I mean, I know they revised things over the years, but they they've um, uh, it's going to be the next GTR, the next platform. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I predict the next GTR is going to be some sort of hybrid. Uh, with electrification similar to the way the Nissan NSX, I'm sorry, the uh, Acura NSX is. The NXS, NSX, as you know, rear engine, but it's got motors on the electric motors on the front and and uh, all-wheel drive because of that and the way it shifts power, this and back, front and back and whatever. So I think a GTR would probably go down that route. I can't say for sure, but for now, this car is fun. Um. But here we are. We've got a, a Trackhawk, which basically has your Hellcat engine in it, Bill. 707 mm-hmm. horsepower, V8, supercharged. It makes all the noise, all the power that you have in your cars, in your your, your Charger, your Challenger. Um, it's probably very similar to a, a lifted version of your Charger. <laughs> 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 you know, if you, if you lifted it now... I was driving the Trackhawk, and I'll tell you what I loved. I it, look, I loved it for the obvious reasons. There's no, there's no secret here. You love it because, first of all, in LA with some shitty roads and the 405 and all that, the idea of having a, something that's a little bit off the ground made it so much easier. Like it's easier to parallel park. It's easier to take the turns, and like if you tag a little bit of a curb and you hit the tire, you don't screw up your rim. Like it's super easy, and uh, and. And then accessibility. It's like you can put stuff in this thing. You can haul people around. You, you know, I was already, you know, like I, I, I go over to my mailbox and I got stuff in the mail and I, I'm throwing boxes in the back and it's just, it's just easy. There's just something about it as an everyday vehicle, which is great. Now, you've got in this truck the thing that you love so much, Bill, is you've got a V8 with a supercharger and it makes all the noises, all the right noises. 
And that supercharger, as you guys know, is a twin screw supercharger, which makes a lot of its boost, pretty much full boost at a very low RPM. I don't know, 25 or 2800 RPM. I'm not exactly sure how they got it dialed in in this truck. But that low-end torque and the sound makes that truck an animal. It just makes it fun. You just tip into the gas a little bit, and the exhaust opens up. And uh, by the way, this is before you do anything that you've done, Bill. You, you go to MagnaFlow, you do an exhaust, you do headers, you do any of that stuff to make those things scream. It, uh, this is before you get into any of that. It sounds good. And that all wheel drive. It's all wheel drive. I love that. It's funny because you and I talked to um a, a few weeks ago. We talked to uh, uh Carlisle, the guy who sent you the wheels, because he's the guy drag racing these things. And he was telling us, he's like, oh yeah, he's like, we've got a track hawk, or a customer of his has a track hawk, you know, pushing something like nine hundred or a thousand horsepower. And he said they run drag radials, but they even stagger them because this thing shifts so much weight to the back that the front tires uh, on the drag strip barely even touch. They're more about pulling that thing down the track after the launch. I think he was running something like 305s in the back and 275s in the front. Don't quote me on that, but it could be 305s and 295s. But he was, but he was doing a staggered fitment at the drag strip with four drag radials. <laughs> <laughs> just awesome which is awesome and and you can see that in this truck this is why you get a track i'll tell you what let's we could talk a little bit about price um because that's an issue but yes a gtr is 100 grand the one i'm driving is 117 grand uh and they're like it's a lot of money for a nissan sure but also we've got dodge challengers we've got demons that are 90 plus thousand so you can say it's 90 grand for a, for a dodge okay you could say that we've got a ninety four thousand dollar jeep trackhawk and a lot of people commented saying I've never paid ninety four thousand dollars for a jeep all right here's the thing is like let's let's just take that out of the equation for a second because the money's never going to go away you can either afford it or you can't afford it um, uh, there's not much we can do about that look when it's used maybe you get one cheaper and then we have another discussion about it um, but <laughs> that being said, the Jeep is what you get when you want a super hot SUV and you want to modify it because you can go buy a Range Rover Sport SVR and that thing is fast and it sounds awesome. That thing's one of the loudest things I've ever driven. Uh, and, but I don't think you can do much else with it. So if you just want to lease something that's super fast, maybe go look at that Range Rover SVR. But if you want to modify it a little bit, like you do with your cars, Bill, because that's part of the fun. Personalization is what we do here on this show. Is uh, I think the Jeep Trackhawk is badass for that. This thing is 707 horsepower. I don't know what the torque is, 650, 690. But the, but the drivetrain, the transmission is already rated to handle over 800. So they made this thing as bulletproof as they can from the factory. That's how our buddy Carlisle can go out there with you know nearly a thousand horsepower and four drag radials and drag race this thing. Which oh my god, I want to do that so badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, badly, badly, right? Um, so that's my thought on the Jeep. Is it's fantastic. It's zero to sixty in three and a half seconds. It weighs I don't know fifty four hundred pounds or something like that. Fifty. I think 54, 55, I think we were, we were talking about uh, with Chris uh, a week ago. Um, three and a half seconds, zero to 60. I think some of the magazines got it to do like 3.2. It is fast. Then I get into the GTR. And I've been a fan of the GTR. And like I said, I've driven several over the years. 
and uh, the you know the the five eighty uh, the four eighty horse, and then the bump. I think it was like five twenty five or five thirty that went up to, and now it's like five sixty five, uh, where it's at now. Um, and uh, it's it's good, it's fun, and and it's so much different than the trackhawk. It doesn't really make the noise. They actually put an effort into making it quieter. And on the freeway, the Bose sound system has noise cancellation in it, so it doesn't get that drone and stuff from the exhaust. They actually made it quieter on the inside. And uh, I I went down to Orange County a couple of times. I, I went out with a friend, and and uh, and the videos that we that we shot over the weekend was uh, was her shooting videos. And so I'm like, hey, shoot a video of me doing launch control, okay? And you wouldn't mind like getting out of the car and standing on the side of the road real quick, right, with my phone, so you get a video. So she was fantastic. Thank you for shooting all of that. Um, and uh, so you guys can see how hard that thing launches uh, with its launch control, um, which was fun to do. But what happens is is it's very linear. You hit the gas in this thing. It doesn't feel like it's moving fast. You don't get that noise. You don't get all that sort of like visceral effect, that violence that you'd get in in the Dodges and the, and the Jeep Trackhawk. You don't get that. But you look down and you're like, holy shit, I'm doing 98 miles an hour. You do realize how quickly you got up there. Right. So, a, have they taken all the drivers, uh, the driver car aspect out of it? They they didn't. And what they did is, at, I would like to say they they sort of brought it up to the level of much closer to the to a new Porsche. And the one thing I've always said about Porsches, like I drove the 911 Turbo Turbo S, is it's sort of a Jekyll and Hyde thing when you. On the freeway, and I was driving that that 911, that Turbo S, I was like, man, this thing is so easy to drive. And then you start putting it in like sport and sport plus mode, and it kicks the revs up, and it holds it there when you're getting into turns. And and it's like, it's just a complete animal when you want it to be, but so docile when you don't want it to be, you know, an, an animal. And I feel like the GTR has gotten much closer to that Porsche level over the years. This thing is super easy to drive uh, I would, around the neighborhood, on the freeway. I even I was driving down the 405 down to Orange County. I just put the suspension in comfort mode. I didn't notice a huge difference, very slight difference on the on just how it how it handles the shock, but gives it a little bit more like uh, a little bit slower uh, reaction to it and makes it a little bit smoother. Um and uh, and I was just driving around in comfort mode, but then when you start hitting the R modes, then it starts really kind of waking up. So this is where you kind of get that balance between you now the Trackhawk as well. But the Trackhawk, even in normal mode, you hit the gas, that thing's going to start screaming at you, and you're going to go fast. Um, the Trackhawk launch mode very easy. You put it in track, you hit the launch button, left foot brake, hit the gas, let go of the brake, you're done, and you're just launching. GTR now, same way. You hit the three R buttons, you just hold them up, and then you just left foot brake and go. And yeah, you'll see in that video that I posted, when you put it in launch mode, it's an animal. It launches hard. And and it does really kind of make it fun. So two different animals. And Okay, uh, but you've driven, okay, last year at Roadkill Nights, you drove that Hellcat. It wasn't the Red Eye. Right. It was a Hellcat, so it's got you know comparable horsepower, a little bit more than the GTR. Um, how did how did they compare? 
the the Hellcat is still it, it lives up to its name. That thing is still scary. Even in Fontana, when we drove the uh, the thirteen twenties, the naturally aspirated cars, those cars still get a little sideways. If you see our, our video, we didn't get very much video, but you did the big smoky burnout. I didn't do much of a burnout because once I started getting in there. It, doing the burnout, the car started to go sideways, and I had to back out of it. Like GTR doesn't do that, Trackhawk really doesn't do that either. But but this car started to get sideways in there, and there, believe me, I love the rear wheel drive muscle car, scare the shit out of you. The Mustang I'm building is going to be 600 horsepower someday, and uh, and it it doesn't have ABS brakes, it doesn't have traction control, it doesn't have any of that stuff. So it's you know. The GTR, anybody can get in this car and drive it. I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case with, you know, with with the Hellcat. You no can, way. No Absolutely way. Absolutely not. That's yeah. not the case. Like you got to be careful with that thing. You can, hell, automatic transmission. Who cares? Like it's, you know, it doesn't matter. The Hellcat it can get scary, and if you take a turn in that thing, and uh, it, it'll come around on you really easily. The GTR will, if it's all in the full race mode, it will. Um, in normal mode, it's it's pretty good. The all-wheel drive and the traction that thing really kind of keeps you safe in planet. So you're going to feel a lot more confident in the GTR than you will in a Hellcat, but you're going to have a different level of fun with the Hellcat. So Okay, when it comes to fun, let's talk about the turbocharger versus the supercharger. The supercharger is more fun. I'm going to tell you that right now. That low-end torque and the sound that it makes and be sort of being – you know, I, I love all cars, but there's just I kind of grew up with a with muscle cars, and and yeah, and I kept thinking to myself, can I make the GTR louder? Can somebody put exhaust on it, but then also still make it pretty drivable? Or are you going to hear that thing the whole time? This is this is me just kind of uh, showing my age. Like now, it's like I I I like a loud car, but. If I can't make it fairly quiet and make phone calls while I'm sitting in traffic for an hour coming to the studio here, it it makes it kind of tough, um, which is which is interesting. But it's it's interesting because all the cool new cars that are coming out have different modes of exhaust and valves that close and things like that. You know, you can get a Jaguar that's loud as hell. You know, the, the Lamborghini is loud as hell, but you can put it in a quiet mode. And you know, if you could if you could put it. If you could come up with an exhaust or some version of it, or somebody makes a good aftermarket exhaust on the GTR, where uh, uh, you can you can have a conversation in it, um, I'd like to see that exhaust on there because I'd like to roll down the windows and make that thing be a little bit louder. Um, all right, so uh, there's the ultimate question: is which one would you buy? And before we get to that, I'll tell you about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You could drop off your dry cleaning, pick up some milk, and now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. You just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. You've heard us say this before, so here it is. If you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Be sure to check out Geico.com. Give a little love to our friends over there. Um, so what would you choose? Uh, I'll ask you first. I, I, you haven't driven the GTR just based on the discussion. Let's assume, uh, all things being equal, like similar pricing and you can fit in them. <laughs> I can fit in a GTR. You know, like I said, I drove one a number of years ago. I'm sure it hasn't shrunk, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it, it's the, 
For you, maybe it's brand loyalty. Maybe it's. I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a maybe, 2003 yeah. twin turbo Porsche. I sold it for a 92 turbo that was rear wheel drive that I could actually have fun yeah. driving, tooling around. That's that's my answer, and quite obviously, I'm going to pick the Dodge. But I, I'd buy a Red Eye uh, in a millisecond before I bought a GTR. Right, um, right. Like, but I've been in the car with you, and you like to get a little sideways. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but there's other reasons why I would do it too. But it's it, it, it's the hey man, it's a monster, and, and it is a monster. It's it just you know that if we have the ability to do the things that we want automotively, then I'm going to do them, and that car represents me and the things that I I kind of like, and I love the GTR, I love the refinement of it, and I love the flat out freaking speed of it. Yeah, but. It it just doesn't give you. It's too refined in a way. You know, I I want something that could kill you at any second, but my <laughs> driving skill prevents that from happening. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm sure the GTR could do that too, but I I just uh, you know I, I'm a Dodge guy. I'm with you. All right. So listen, I thought about this a lot, and people ask me on social media several times, "What would I pick?" and after spending time in both cars, for now, but me, hold on, you you're, you're talking the track hawk versus the GTR, not a not a, a, just a regular Dodge, right? You're talking about the two that you put online. Yes, track hawk versus okay. GTR. Yeah, well, I'd still go Dodge. Um, okay, I at the end of the day, I'm going to take that from you. At the end of the day, I went with GTR uh, for you a few would. reasons. For a few reasons, one, um. I don't necessarily need the utility. Still single guy living in Venice. I like I'm I'm still down with the sports car. Um and two, I think in the long term the GTR is going to be a little bit more special than the Trackhawk. And if I was going to really dig into a lot of modifications, I think Trackhawk would be way to go. And if I was going to do mild mods, um, I think GTR, I, I'd, I'd be interested in getting that up to about 600 horsepower and see what it does. And I like to make it a little bit louder. And, and um, uh, I thought the blue looked great with the dark wheels. It's sort of a gloss black, almost dark, dark gray. But I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I think a brighter, I think like a brighter uh, uh, like stone um, as they call it, like a stone, like HRE has like a bright, like stone silver, like a textured matte silver wheel. And I think that would just make that car pop so much. So I was just thinking of little things like that. And, uh, uh, and so for me, I think, I think, I think it'd just be a little bit more special in the long run. And, uh, and I like that. And, um, and this part you won't like, Bill, is I think the blue would look fantastic with a red interior. And I think they used to offer it and they don't. Just the red seats, not full red, but just like the red seats a little bit in the, in the door and, and keep the rest black. It just needed a little something. When he got in there, the, the interior was just so much black. And it it looked very techy, even a little bit dated. Just like just the way it felt, like it needed something to kind of break it up. And and even the the Trackhawk, by the way, had like carbon fiber and the dash and all that stuff. And this GTR is all this great leather, but it just needed something to kind of break it up. So I'd bring in some color or something in there, even a even like a gray blue or something in there, if not the red. Well, well, thanks to the guys at Chance Scott Dodge this last weekend, you saw that that Hellcat Charger I was driving that had red seats, 
Mm-hmm. And I never thought in a million years I'd like a red interior, but the, the red accents on those seats were just, they were jaw dropping. They were awesome. Yeah. It's the thing, it's, you can't overdo it. You can't, you got to keep the dash black. And I think the steering wheel should stay black, but you can put some color accents in there and it really kind of makes it pop and it makes it kind of fun. And I like that. But, um, uh, anyway, we've had more stuff to go through, uh, uh, but uh, we're we're definitely out of time here, and we're going to hand over this studio to the next guys. But, um, man, thanks, you guys, for listening. I'm going to get on this NASCAR thing. We're going to talk about it because I like this idea, and I definitely want to send somebody out there to, to an event, um, and we want you guys to talk about it. So, uh, of course, check us out at carcastshow.com, and uh, we love the nice reviews um, that you're giving us on iTunes. We appreciate that. You can follow Goldberg. And on uh, on Twitter, he's Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter and Goldberg nine five and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Definitely follow those if you want to see his pictures from uh, from Bristol as well. You can follow me at Motorator. I'm pretty much everywhere uh, on at Motorator. And uh, and if you want, we've got another little uh, podcast. We've got our Shift and Steer podcast with our friends Brad Fanshawe and Aaron Hagar. And I'll tell you that it was a nice little treat. We had Aaron Hagar down from Lake Tahoe. So the next two weeks, he's in the studio with us, and he's just a cackle fest uh, and uh, fun to have. So check out those episodes as well. Uh, Bill, thanks thanks for calling in, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, we're going to chat next week. We've got a lot more stuff to going on. Uh, Absolutely, man, and hopefully uh, I will be able to give you feedback uh, on the uh, 16 wide-body conversion from Speedcore. I hope and pray it will be your set. Oh, man, that's going to be fantastic. You said they were pumping it up and adding a little extra power to it before they bring it home. They they did all that body work, but they don't want to send it over with a stock engine now. No, 950 is where we're at, so I'll uh, see if she can handle it. Wow. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Ho, ho, ho. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.